You are listening to the Advisor Solutions Podcast, episode 44. Welcome to the Advisor Solutions Podcast. I'm your host, Dan Finley, president of Advisor Solutions. Have you ever wondered, what's the secret to building a successful business anyway? You know, it might sound kind of strange to hear this, but the secret to you building a successful business is actually you. The secret is being people smart or being able to connect with anyone, anywhere, anytime. In other words, it's having what's called emotional intelligence. But how do you increase your emotional intelligence? Well, most likely, nobody's ever showed you. And if so, know this, you are not alone. Most financial advisors, insurance agents, wholesalers, branch managers, and even agency managers don't have a well-thought-out process for getting better at being an emotionally intelligent advisor. And they don't even know it. And the reason they don't know it is because they've never taken the time to honestly look at how their ability or lack of ability to connect with others affects their success. Let's face it. The financial services industry is a people business. If you can't connect with people, you won't be able to set appointments, open new accounts, gather assets, and build a better business. It's that simple. So what do you do? Well, you really have two choices. You can keep doing what you're doing, and you're, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. Or you could learn what I call becoming the emotionally intelligent advisor. And that's what we're going to talk about today, how to become the emotionally intelligent advisor. So, if you're ready to start learning how to increase your ability to make what I call effortless connections, then stick around. So, why this topic? Why would you want to learn how to become an emotionally intelligent advisor? Well, because... The better that you get at recognizing your own emotions, the easier it's going to become to make better connections. And get this, connections are what creates success. Because without connections, you won't be able to turn strangers into clients and clients into friends. But with good connections, great connections, it's easy. And that is why I wanted to create this podcast today. Because I wanted you to understand that your success or lack of success is a direct reflection of your emotional intelligence. So what we're going to do in this podcast is we're going to cover three things today. First, the importance of emotional intelligence in your business so that you understand that those people who are book smart don't always succeed, but those people who are people smart do. Second, the five most important competencies to building relationships so that you can increase your emotional intelligence. And third, strategies for instantly building rapport so that you understand how to make what I call effortless connections. Now, before we jump into those three things that we're going to talk about today in this podcast, I need to ask you a few questions. What would your business be like and your life be like if you knew exactly what to do to create better connections? Would you be energized? Would you be empowered? Would you like your business more? And would you apply what you learn? If the answer is yes, 
Then let's begin. The importance of emotional intelligence. So years ago, I stumbled across a few books, and one of the books on this subject, emotional intelligence, was called Working with Emotional Intelligence, and it was by an author named Daniel Goldman. He gave a definition on what this term means, and he said emotional intelligence is really the capacity to recognize our own feelings and those of others. And the reason being is to, to help motivate ourselves and to manage our own emotions, as well as the relationships of other people and the way we connect with them. In other words, emotional intelligence is the ability to connect with ourselves and with other people on an emotional level in order to form lasting relationships. And an example would be to be able to regulate your own and monitor your own feelings and the feelings of other people. And that's a pretty good skill set to have in this industry. <laughs> Daniel Goldman goes on and he describes two distinct types of intelligence, intellectual and emotional, and each of which activates two distinct areas of the brain. The intellectual intelligence is commonly known as book smarts. You've heard of it before, which is measured in terms of IQ, while emotional intelligence is commonly referred to as people smarts, has recently been measured in terms of EQ. And in the past, IQ was really an indicator of how smart you are and how successful you're probably going to be in your life. But you've got to ask yourself this. How many highly intelligent people have you known in this industry that have washed out? Probably a lot. So what does this have to do with you being a successful financial advisor, insurance agent, wholesaler, branch manager, or agency manager? Like I said, the financial services industry is a people business. If you can't connect with people, you won't set appointments, gather assets, or close accounts, and, and you won't be successful in this business. It's that simple. And a lot of times, people feel that having a successful business is really about assets under management. But it's really not. It's about relationships under management. And I'm going to do a whole podcast on that next week. But the point is, is that you don't get the assets and you don't get the accounts and you don't get the insurance sales and so on if you don't have the relationship. So what do you do? How do you really build your emotional intelligence? Well, before we jump into that, what I want to do is help you to really understand the difference between people that have a high IQ and people that have a high EQ. So let's jump into to two examples that I ran across years ago when I got into this business. Understanding the high IQ and EQ advisor. Over the course of my career, over the last 30 years, I've had the pleasure of knowing and working with several financial advisors and insurance agents. And during my research on emotional intelligence, I was reminded of two advisors in a partnership that had introduced me to the business 30 years ago. I had the opportunity of working for them and quickly realized that they had two distinctly different dominant types of intelligence. And while they were both very successful in their careers, they were very different. And I knew that they communicated very differently. Let's take a look at the high IQ advisor. 
the high IQ advisor. Chris was a highly intellectually intelligent advisor whose background included a master's in finance from Wharton. He was a principal partner in the registered investment advisory firm that I worked for. He managed millions on a discretionary basis. He was ambitious, productive, driven, and sometimes predictable. And when I worked for him (laughs) years ago, I knew that he would go outside and he'd run three to five miles a day immediately after the stock market closed. You could set your watch by it. But his thing was he was looking for quality investments for his clients. During market hours, you'd rarely find this guy doing anything but watching the market. He actually built his book with like-minded intellects that were the same as him. And he'd be happy to speak to his clients, but you never, ever find him cold calling. It was beneath it, or so he thought. And he thought it was a waste of time. He spoke to the people that he knew, and that was it. In most respects, he was the money manager for a select of high net worth people that trusted him, liked him, and that he liked to talk to. And that was him, the high IQ advisor. Let's take a look at the polar opposite. The high EQ advisor. Now, Tom, Tom was a highly emotionally intelligent advisor. Sure, Tom was book smart, (laughs) but unlike Chris, he didn't go to Wharton. He went to a small college in Wisconsin, became a teacher, and eventually became a stockbroker in the 80s. I remember he told me one time that when he got into the business, he thought people would call him. (laughs) And he quickly realized, nope, he had to make outgoing calls. Like Chris, Tom was the principal partner in this registered investment advisory firm that I worked for. And Tom managed millions on a discretionary basis. But, you know, most of the time, Tom was busy making outgoing calls. And Tom was outgoing. He was funny, personable, confident, and fearless. And when it came to prospecting, you couldn't stop him. (laughs) When I had the pleasure of working for him, he had already been in the business for a decade, and that's when I actually thought a decade was a long time, and he was still prospecting up to four hours a day. This guy was a machine. (laughs) Tom was the type of guy that could easily walk into a room full of strangers and walk out knowing a bunch of friends. And he built his book on his high level of emotional intelligence, his tenacity, his resilience. And his clients loved him and didn't want him to retire. But eventually, he did. Can you connect with one of these types of advisors versus the other? Which one are you more like? Well, if you said that you're more like the high IQ advisor instead of the high EQ advisor, you need to increase your core competencies for building relationships. In other words, You need to learn how to increase your emotional intelligence. And that is what we're going to talk about next. The five most important core competencies for building relationships. So in order for you to really increase your emotional intelligence, we need to talk about the five core competencies for building relationships. Now, These five core competencies were really inspired by Goldman's model for basic emotional and social competencies. So it's patterned after his model, but it pertains to the financial services industry. Let me explain what I mean. Let's jump into number one. 
Number one, emotional self-awareness. Knowing what emotions you're feeling at any given moment and being able to become aware of how your emotions are really affecting yourself and other people is a huge plus in this business. In fact, the emotionally self-aware financial advisor has a high ability to tune into changes in feelings from moment to moment. As a result, they are able to understand when their feelings change, but more importantly, why they changed. You see, this type of advisor is at a great advantage over their colleagues because they have the ability to, with greater certainty, to be able to manage their emotions at any given time, regardless of the situation. So this is the foundation of all of the other competencies for building relationships. And managing your level of awareness in an uncertain work environment is the key to controlling your own mental state of mind, as well as the key to loving your business. So emotional self-awareness is important because that is the basis of all the other competencies. So are you emotionally self-aware? Number two, emotional management. Knowing how to manage your emotions at any given time is also a huge plus. In fact, knowing how to manage emotional states to regulate emotions that are negative or negatively impacting you is really one of the hardest things for people to do. Emotional management is about being able to restrain from emotions that could possibly jeopardize your relationship with yourself as well as your clients and the ability to bounce back. You see, if you don't have emotional management, you may not bounce back from things that are happening outside of your control. And advisors with high levels of emotional management can regulate anxiety and fear at any given time. And typically, these types of advisors don't take rejection personally. They don't even care. <laughs> they just kind of sift through all these non-qualified prospects to find the ones that want to work with them. But advisors with low levels of emotional management tend to get a a host of negative emotions that dictate their day, and they get rejected, and they hate it. And let's face it, <laughs> when you work in the financial services industry, you're working with one of the most emotional subjects that anybody can ever have. It's their money. <laughs> money means different things to different people, and some people view money as a vehicle for creating security. Other people view money as a means to acquire material things or maybe to get some kind of joy, happiness. But whatever values your clients place on money, you can be sure of one thing. Money elicits emotions in people. <laughs> it's happened to you before, too. And losing clients' money can elicit negative emotions. To become successful in this business, you have to regulate your own emotions in order to, to not get caught up in theirs. Otherwise, during this bear market that we're in right now, you're going to be faced with countless incoming calls, which you probably already have, and with these clients that are frightened, and it might tempt you to want to leave the business. In fact, I'm sure a lot of advisors have already left. But if you've got a high emotional management, you won't be one of them. Number three, self-motivation. So the definition of self-motivation is really just this, being able to regulate one's actions towards the pursuit 
of one's goals, regardless of any kind of setbacks, adversities, discouragements, and frustrations. So self-motivation really focuses on positive, short, intermediate, and long-term accomplishments. And if you're self-motivated, you delay any activities that promote short-term gratification at the risk of long-term goals. In other words, you don't stop (laughs) doing what you need to do on a consistent basis to get you to where you want to be. See, the highly self-motivated advisor knows what activities they're going to do and they need to do every day. Because if they do them every day, it turns into a good week, which turns into a good month and a good quarter and a good year. And they hit their goals. And they focus on daily scorecards. They focus on daily reward systems. They focus on the things they do during the day to have fun with this business and make prospecting a game. And their businesses are proactive. And they produce tremendous results because they are proactive and they believe that they can succeed. So, I gotta ask, are you self-motivated? Number four, highly empathetic. Being able to sense what others' needs, wants, and feelings are is a definition of being highly empathetic. Empathy is the cornerstone of building relationships because true empathy takes the other person's perspective into account and leaves any possible conflict of interest behind. See, this business is a business of trust. (laughs) To truly be trusted by prospects and clients, they have to first be convinced that you truly understand what they need and how they feel. People want to work with people that they like, and people tend to like people that are like them. And people want to work with those whom they believe understand them. You see, the highly empathetic advisor is, is more aware of the client's feelings and will convey that message through trust and building trust. And they have, they have honed their listening skills as well as their ability to, to detect subtle social signals that indicate how the prospect or the client is feeling. And they aren't afraid to ask, how are you doing? Because they want to know. This is a huge skill set. <laughs> and it's a skill set that if you don't have, you need to get it quickly. And this skill is imperative to being successful in this business. So you need to ask yourself, are you highly empathetic? Number five, relationships under management. So the ability to read social situations, communicate effectively, and interact with a high level of confidence and effectiveness is all a part of relationships under management. And the highly skilled relational advisor uses these skill sets to resolve conflicts, promote positive interaction, and teamwork to lead clients towards their goals. And they can quickly dilute client conflicts by simply listening to the client's concerns, assessing the client's emotional state, expressing empathy, reflective listening, and assertive responses to the client's requests. In other words, they make a great connection. In effect, The advisor simply controls the emotional client by controlling their own emotions and helping to manage the emotions in others. As I said before, this business is about relationships under management. And when you master this skill set, you will definitely be successful. (music) 
strategies for instantly building rapport. So I said we're going to cover three things in this podcast. First, the importance of emotional intelligence in your business so that you understand why those that are book smart don't always succeed, but those that are people smart do. Second, the five most important core competencies for building relationships so that you can increase your emotional intelligence. Now what we're going to do is we're going to talk about strategies for instantly building rapport so that you understand how you can make what I call effortless connections. You see, rapport is essential in creating an environment of trust. You've got to have it or they're not going to work with you. But how do you instantly build rapport? Well, how do you respect and appreciate the other people's view while still maintaining your own integrity in the conversation? And in the relationship, how do you sharpen your rapport building skills to instantly build rapport with anyone, anywhere, anytime? Well, in order to really look at this strategies for building, instantly building, I should say, rapport, we need to take a look at, at the commonalities, which occur when people actually have rapport and when they don't. Take, for instance, your work environment or a social setting restaurants, or any other place where you, people interact. Just think about that. What is it that these people are doing to indicate that they are in rapport? That's a good question. Well, here's what they're doing. During the face-to-face -face communication process, three things are taking place simultaneously. Get this. First, words are being spoken. And you know that. You can tell that they're speaking to each other. Although you might believe that this is the most important part, in building rapport, typically words are not the most important part. In fact, research shows that words are the least effective part of communicating or the communication process. Second, voice and tonality are being heard. And actors do this all the time. They actually hone their voice and tonality skills by practicing a dozen different ways of saying the word no. <laughs> And we unconsciously have the ability to do this, but rarely do we consciously focus on how our voice, how our pitch, tone, and pace really are spoken while we're in a casual conversation. And third, body language. Body language is being spoken. And this is by far the most effective form of building rapport because the listener is constantly, unconsciously reading your body language to pick up on non-verbal cues in your communication. They're doing it all the time. So are you. So what does this have to do with building rapport? Well, get this. Effective communication flows when people are in rapport. Their words, their voice, their tone and pitch, pace, their body language tend to mirror each other. And although words can <laughs> build or destroy a conversation, the words that you say don't have as much impact as the rest of the message that you're sending them at any given time. So what has the most impact is really this, tonality and body language. To build rapport, you need to have some level of what's called mirroring and matching. Matching of the voice, tone, the body language. And let me show you what I mean. Let's jump into a couple of different ways to do this. First, Matching eye contact. 
So matching eye contact is probably the most common and often taught when you're a little kid on how to build rapport. In fact, when you were a little kid, you were taught to look that person in the eye when you speak to them. However, you probably were not taught match their posture, match their voice, pitch, tone, pace, match their gestures. And oftentimes, <laughs> this type of matching is really considered taboo because it's kind of viewed as mimicking. So the art of matching is not the art of mimicry, okay? Instead, you can have these subtle techniques, which is called crossover mirroring. Here's an example. Crossover mirroring could be, picture this, you're sitting across the table from someone and they move their body to the left. Well, you might turn your head to the left, their left that is. That is crossover mirroring. Another successful way to, to gain rapport quickly is voice matching. Now, voice matching is done when you, you match that other person's pitch, tone, speed, rhythm, volume, that kind of thing. Their speech pattern. Think of it as a vocal dance and you are the leader. As a financial advisor and business development consultant coach who spent 30 years in the industry being on the phone, I know how effective this strategy is. And when people connect, they're connecting because they're hearing your pitch, tone, pace. And if you mirror theirs, they're feeling connected because they feel like they've known you already. And they do because they know themselves. Now, there's only two possible limitations to building rapport. Your ability to perceive other people's words, voice, tonality, body language, and your ability to mirror and match them. You see, when you're able to do that, both of those things, you can make a pretty quick connection and build rapport easily. And now that you've heard all the tips, tools, techniques, strategies, and solutions for making what I call effortless connections, all you need to do now is just go apply them. And once you do that, you will increase your emotional intelligence. Now, before we go, I want to tell you one last story. It's a story about you. You see, at the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that the secret to your success is actually you. You see, after listening to this podcast, your story, the story of your success, can have only one of the following endings. First, you could choose to ignore everything you heard, go about your business as if nothing happened. And get this, nothing will change. Or second, you could map out a list of all the things that you want to change in your business. You could get a free coaching session. You could talk about your challenges, whether they're about connecting with others or anything such as time management, prospecting, sales, and of course, relationship building. And you could learn the tools, techniques, strategies, and solutions to get you to where you want to be. You could apply what you learn. And you could be accountable for your actions so that you build a better business, and you could get to the next level, regardless of where you are now. You see, the choice is yours, but I do know this, that if you want to get to the next level, you can. In fact, I said it before and I'll say it again, 
in previous podcasts, I actually put together two podcasts on advisor success stories, episode 29 and 30. So if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen to those. And they were real people just like you. And they had real challenges just like you, but who reached out to me and got real solutions. And you can too. And I know that if we work together, it won't take long before you become an emotionally intelligent advisor. Well, thank you for listening to this Advisor Solutions podcast. If you liked what you heard, please be sure to subscribe so you can listen each week. Also, check us out on the web at advisorsolutionsinc.com. And finally, if you like what you heard and you want to know more about the Advisor Solutions Group Coaching Program or the Advisor Solutions Individual Coaching Programs, please email me at dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. I would be happy to set up a free coaching session if that's what you'd like. Again, that's dan at advisorsolutionsinc.com. Please join us next week as we help advisors and agents build a better business, one solution at a time.